Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Well, hello, welcome to the Feathered Desert. This is Cheryl and Kirsten is with me and today our subject is hawk migration, backyard bird hunters. So as fall migration has started and as it begins, our songbirds are are moving um, south to their wintering habitats and they're going as far as South America. Some of them are stopping in our backyards in the Phoenix Valley. Now there is a reason songbirds generally travel under the cloak of darkness. And that is because their arch nemesis, bird hunting hawks, <laughs> travel during the daylight hours. Sometimes those backyard bird predators, the infamous Cooper's hawk, the sharp-shinned hawk, as well as the smallest, fiercest falcon, the American kestrel, will show up in your backyard. And Kirsten is going to lead us in to give us a little information about those birds of prey. All right. So for those of you who like to get a little more scientific, there are actually four categories of birds of prey. And when you're describing a bird of prey, you're talking about a bird that captures and kills its prey with its talons. So that's what we're looking at. And we're gonna look at a specific uh, family called the acipiters. And the acipiters are quick and agile with short wings and long tails. If you look at the ones that uh, Cheryl was just talking about, the Cooper's hawk, the sharp shin, and the American kestrel, they all look like that in their various sizes. And these hawks are built for catching birds on the wing, flying low into trees, or landing on the ground and plucking their prey out of a bush. Yes. And so I'm going to start with the Cooper's hawk. I'm going to give you a description. So the Cooper's hawk is a nim- nimble, mid-size... Acipiter. Acipiter. Thank you. <laughs> See, I always need Kirsten to lead me into those scientific words. Cooper's hawk specialize, um, specializes in ambushing, as Kirsten said, small birds and snagging them directly out of the air. Now, the Cooper's hawk has a blue-gray head, neck, back, and upper wings, rusty red horizontal barring on a white chest, and a large square head, dark crown, and adults have orange. I thought this was fascinating. There's got to be a reason why adults have orange to red eyes. And... Uh, Cooper's hawk has long yellow legs with short shorts. And that's what I call them because some uh, hawks, you know, have like pantaloons or Mm -hmm. khakis. They have feathers that go down to what would be their knees. Well, Cooper's hawks don't. They have like hot pants on. Yeah. (laughs) um, Because they have feathers, but they don't go very far down their legs. And junior, uh, juvenile uh, Cooper's hawks have pale yellow eyes. And Kirsten's going to give us some cool facts. Yes, uh, all of these birds have very cool facts about them, and I'll, we'll give you a few for each one. So, uh, one really cool fact for the Cooper's hawk is that it can capture a bird with its feet and kills it by squeezing it. And it, you're thinking, is that a cool fact really? It is very interesting how they use their feet. They're actually suffocating the little birdie. Um, but remember, this is the way that they uh, feed their young as well. Um, so these hawks will actually hold their prey away from their body Um, with their long, long legs until it does pass and it's not squiggling anymore, just in case they're trying to protect themselves as well. And these raptors have been known to drown their prey. I've never seen this before. I thought this was so fascinating. But I could definitely see them doing that near a pond or even in a backyard with a deep enough bird bath or um, a man-made pond or something like that. Um, And they will drown their prey by holding the bird under the water. 
Uh, Cooper's hawks are also known to deliberately chase birds into picture windows, which is one of the reasons we're going to talk about in a later podcast, window strikes and how to prevent them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they pick up the stunned bird from the ground. But it really is an interesting adaptation for Cooper's hawks. They use us to help them make their hunting a little bit easier. And then Cooper's hawks will also fly into heavy brush or even run on the ground in pursuit of birds that are hidden in thick cover. And I have seen this. I have seen Cooper's hawks running on the ground. And I tell you what, they are kind of funny when they're running. Yeah, it's not, it's not their best. <laughs> it's certainly not what they're made to do, but they can do it. And they do look a little bit goofy. All right, we're going to go on to our second hawk that Cheryl's going to tell us about. Our sharp-shinned hawk is a tiny hawk that is daring, acrobatic, and it's the smallest of the American anisepters. Acipiters. Acipiters. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sharp-shinned hawks, they have a small, rounded head, bluish-gray back and head, rusty red barring on a white chest. Now, does this sound familiar? Yes. Yes. The um, sharp-shinned and Cooper's hawks have almost identical markings. Now, Cooper's hawks... Their head is larger with more of a brow, which is a way, it's a prominent brow. So that's a way of identifying them as a Cooper's Hawk versus a Sharp Shinned. Um, their eyes are bigger, and of course it has longer, um, its legs are longer. And I, um, they have a pronounced longer leg with, and they're yellow, so you really can, the yeah. yellow legs stand out. But getting back to the Sharpie, as it is affectionately called, it has large orange to red eyes, short legs, and um, long, thin toes. Yes, and don't feel ashamed if you look out the door and you can't tell it between a Cooper's or a Sharpshin. There are even ornithologists yes. today that yes. will refuse to make an identification of them unless they have them in hand and are able to sometimes even draw blood to type them. So don't feel bad if you can't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so some of the cool facts about our sharpshin hawk is that female sharpshin hawks are about a third bigger and heavier than males. And that is very typical for hawks and owls and other birds of prey um, in this bird world. And if you think about it, they're the ones that lay the eggs, so they have to have a slightly larger body frame. And uh, if you want to know about eggs, definitely go back to our yes. podcast about eggs. It tells you all about that. And so that's why um, birds of prey are slightly bigger than their mates. Because they got to get that egg out of their um, pelvis area, the pelvic area. And so they got to be a little bit wider. Because when we were talking about eggs, aerodynamics takes it. Yes. So that's an interesting one. Jump back to that egg podcast if you haven't listened to it yet. Okay, a second cool fact about the sharpshin is the size difference between the sexes in the sharpshin hawk actually influences the size of prey they can catch. And you have to think about that. If you have to catch something and fly away with it, it cannot be a really, really big portion of your weight. But since the females are so much larger than the males, they can actually get bigger prey. And uh, not that the males don't do their weight. They certainly, they're very good fathers. They go out and they catch the prey and they bring it back. Um, But they start switching off. So once the nestlings don't need to have mom and dad together or have mom on them all the time, they'll actually switch off as they're growing bigger. So that mom can start bringing larger prey as the nestlings are getting um, bigger. So uh, the sharpshin dad is actually a pretty good dad. The male typically removes and eats the head of the prey before giving the body to the family, which is his nice way of looking out for everybody. He doesn't want anybody getting bitten by dinner. 
And gets uh, his own nutrition. Right, and gets his own nutrition, of course, yeah. Because you've got all that good stuff in the head there, and yeah. that allows him to take a smaller portion. I just thought this was so fascinating. Yeah, it's an interesting the way nature works. So sharp shin hawks actually use their long toes and talons to impale and hold their moving prey. That's why they have those nice long, long toes. And then, as we said before, all birds of prey use their talons to um, kill their prey. And these guys use it to impale. Um, and then both the coopers and the sharp shin hawks uh, defeather their prey before eating. And, well, it's just like us yeah. when we do a fresh chicken. You're yeah. going to take those feathers off. The feathers can just, it causes so many different digestive problems. And it gets so much weight in your belly. You don't need all those feathers. So they take the time to defeather their prey. So if you find a pile of feathers in your yard. <laughs> it's not necessarily the neighborhood cat. Yeah. It could be a sharp yes. shin or a cooper's cats are. aren't known to defeather. Yes. But coopers and sharp shins are. You know, just a quick, I found this so interesting when I was putting the together how they hunt now they hunt similarly their prey is similar but the way they um kill yeah it's different is, to is totally different and so you understand why the cooper's hawk has the long legs mm -hmm. and you understand why the um sharp shinned hawk has those long toes yeah and it is it's interesting because they both fit in the same niche but yeah. they're adapted for slightly different uh, ways of living within that niche. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was just like, oh, down that rabbit hole again. Yes. So we're going to move on to the American kestrel. Now, the American kestrel is a, is a true to its name as far as being the falcon. The falcon is built for speed, and so is the American kestrel. So it's built for speed with long pointed wings often bent at the tip. The smallest of the falcons, which is the American kestrel, makes up for its size with tenacity and ferociousness. These falcons love grasslands, low-lying bushes, but may take advantage of backyard feeders, especially if there's goldfinches in view. Mm -hmm. And this is why I brought this up, is because um, I have an open field near my home, and occasionally in the winter months, I have looked out onto my goldfinch feeder and I haven't had any goldfinches on it, but there's a young, well, not young, but a female kestrel sitting on top of it. I'm like, hello. It's like, I'm waiting. <laughs> That's kind of cheating. She's like, ah. <laughs> so, so um, being that the American kestrel is only nine to 11 inches long and it weighs approximately between three and a half to uh, four and a half ounces. So it's about the size of a robin. Um, it has a gray head, a rusty back, and tail. Males have bluish gray wings, or they have a little more uh, vibrancy to them, color to them. Tan to white chest with dark spots. So they're an attractive bird. They really are. Males also have a white face with two vertical, um, black vertical lines. Yeah, it's like the what you like see on the, football players yeah. during games. They have that right underneath and their like eyes. And like cheetahs. Yeah. Supposed to do the yeah, same yeah, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So females are slightly larger, um, but similar in color with more rust in brown and gray. So they don't have as much uh, blue in them. Now kestrels may fall prey to the sharp-shinned hawk. So that would be the female, remember, because uh, probably could take on the male. And a cooper's hawk, as well as barn owls, red-tailed hawks, crows, rat snakes, and corn snakes will get their eggs and, 
and babies and fire ants get their babies. Yeah, fire ants are just yeah. not nice. Yeah, yeah, no. Fire, we could do without fire ants. We can ants certainly do without fire world. ants. Yeah. So, Kirsten, what's those cool facts about the kestrel? All right, we have some cool facts here. Uh, if a perch is not available to survey for a prey, a kestrel will actually hover above an open field. They face into the wind and they flap their wings and they use their tails to hold their position. It's very interesting. So if you're ever out there in a field and you kind of look up and you're seeing this smallish bird kind of hovering and you're like, what is that? Um, it might very well be a kestrel who is looking for something to catch. Uh, kestrels are fierce hunters. They use their notched beaks to quickly subdue their prey by severing the spinal cord at the neck. See, that's so interesting between the three birds. And that's what makes them such interesting and fast hunters is that notch right there is incredibly important to them for um, killing their prey quick. And because they're small birds, yeah, they cannot. they can't waste time. Yeah, they cannot waste time. They don't time. want to wrestle on the ground. Yeah, and it's very interesting if you're ever at a zoo or if you just look up a picture of an American kestrel, you can see that little notch right in their beak and that's what makes them so much different than the coopers and the sharpshin. Um, and unlike people, birds can see ultraviolet light. We cannot. Gosh, our lives would be so much more interesting if we could see ultraviolet light. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, a lot of we birds... We so much. I know we do miss so much with our little eyes. Um, a lot of birds can see it, and actually kestrels are capable of seeing it, and they are able to use... This is crazy. They're able to actually make out the trails of urine that voles and mice leave as they run along the ground. And that is, I think, like a superpower. Yeah, <laughs> they're like they're like little superhero powers. It's crazy. So this actually helps provide a roadmap for the kestrels to find a meal. Um, very very interesting. Although mice and voles really need to just stop being on their own feet, so people won't know where they are. <laughs> um, and then another uh, very cool fact is that kestrels uh, hide surplus kills in grass clumps, tree roots, bushes, fence posts, tree limbs, and cavities. So they actually have like a larder. So they save food for leaner times um, and they hide it from thieves. See, that is just one notch above in their thought process. Yeah. And it probably has to do with the fact that they're a smaller bird and that smaller size makes them have to compete so much more with bigger birds. And it just, it's an incredibly interesting adaptation that they've uh, gotten into. It's very cool. Yeah. And also with their flight, how they fly and they hover, uh, aerospace engineers have uh, studied the kestrel and small falcons for years because they have based their jet fighters and um, supersonic planes on how they fly. Yeah, why not? They're the experts. Take it from them. Yeah, <laughs> so we just copy from what nature's already provided. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to go into um, hawk safe bird feeding. So uh, I know that hawks occasionally catch birds that have been guests at your feeders. So I just, and we don't like it. I don't like it. Although I, I can get caught up in the moment of that cool raptor view, but I really don't like, you know, them munching on my birds. Bird feeders and bird feeding do not cause this predation, but it does bring it closer to us. So because we feed the birds, we may be more likely to see it. So um, I just want everyone to remember um, that the hawk does have to eat too. Hawk's specialty is catching birds. So I want um, uh, our audience to appreciate the hawk for who it is and the opportunity you have to view it. This is a wild predator up close and you don't get that opportunity very often. 
So know that even though these amazing predators are specialized in bird hunting, the percentage of success is small. Exactly. And so enjoy the hawk, like I said before, for what they are, what they accomplish, and they do play important roles in the overall eco ecosystem that's in your backyard as well as overall. It's a, um, it's a very important part. So hawks are responsible, uh, especially coopers and sharp-shinned um, hawks, are responsible for, for keeping in the Phoenix Valley the European starlings, grackles, and pigeons and, pigeons and doves in check. Yeah. So they are working for us. And that's what hawks do in general. That's their role in the life cycle that we have. And that's what you're seeing at your feeder. If they're coming in and snatching one bird, then they're keeping the population healthy. Yes. Because we get too many population and then we see spreading of disease. And that's what these hawks are doing. They're keeping everybody healthy to make sure that uh, more and more will come throughout the generations. Yes. So you do have choices to discourage hawk predation. So take down your feeders. That would be your first option. And actually, that's really one of your only options. And sometimes it takes a few days. Sometimes it can take as long as two weeks to convince a hawk that the bird activity is gone. So what you do when you take your feeders down is you do defer, disperse your feeders, your birds that are coming to your feeders. And then the hawk that is hanging around will go, well, there's no, um, not going to be an easy meal. So they'll move on. If the hawk continues to check back, which they will do, um, use feeder placement guidelines, such as moving uh, feeders up higher in the, the tree at a view of the hawk, if that could work. Or depending on your yard, you can move the feeder in clear view. Um, as long as there is cover for the birds to go to, because the hawk is exposed too. So if you're giving the, the birds an opportunity to escape, because um, they'll see the hawk coming then if it's all out in the open. Or make sure your feeders are the correct distance from uh, window spacing, so your birds are less likely to be stunned if they do fly towards the window. Uh, you can provide more shelter for the birds to go to um, when they see the hawk um, as it appears. Um, do less ground feeding of doves and pigeons because these birds actually attract the hawk's attention and bring them to your yard. Um, doves, it, there was a, a recent study done by the ASU in the Phoenix area. Um, and this study said that a percentage of pigeons and hawks have a parasite that may be transmitted to raptors and their offspring. It makes them sick and in need of care. And Liberty Wildlife does, um, which we're gonna talk about, um, has makes this statement come January, February, they're gonna, they do make a statement on their website asking people not to uh, ground feed for this reason. And another note, um, keep bird baths clean because yeah. they need water. And um, if you have a lot of doves or pigeons visiting your bird bath, again, they can transmit that disease to their, to the water and the, your raptors and other birds can then get that parasite. But raptors in particular, because they will come to your bird baths and they do like to bathe. And that's cool to see. I've, I know I've had more than one Cooper's hawk hang out at my bird bath. Yeah. And sometimes they're just there for the water and they're not even going to They're not to even interested in the birds. birds. Yeah. yeah. So, and then that's fun to watch them get all uh, wet in the, the feeder and see their little pantaloons and their little short shorts yes. get all wet. It's just, it's, it's really cute. <laughs> so... Go ahead, Kirsten, it's your turn. All right, so we want to talk to you about what should you do if you have an injured hawk. And the best thing you can do is definitely keep an eye on it, but stay back. And call Liberty Wildlife 
We will have their information on our show notes. And uh, we talk about Liberty Wildlife a lot. And if you ever call our store at WBU Mesa and you have an injured bird, we often refer you to Liberty Wildlife. So who is exactly Liberty Wildlife? They are a premier rehabilitation center um, for raptors and other types of birds here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. It is one of the top in the United States. They do rehab, release, education, conservation. So what's going on in your backyard? You see something, um, a bird of prey that might be injured. If you can safely take a picture, don't get near it, but take a picture with you can. we've got a lot of cameras with zooms on them, even on your phone. And then keep an eye on it. If it ends up flying off, maybe it was just having a moment that happens. Um, or especially during molting season, the feathers can look all weird and out of place. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong, but it's really just normal molting. So take that picture, keep an eye on it. Do not approach it or try to handle it. Remember, talons. They can <laughs> foot you, is what we call it in the zoo industry. And I have worked with my fair share of raptors in my life, and I have been footed. And it does not feel good. Not at all. Um, very, very uh, hard. And they have their tendons, actually, and their feet will ratchet down, and they won't let go. Yeah. They don't let go until they want to let go. So if you get footed by one of these guys, it could become a serious issue for you and the bird. You could be waiting till the rehabber gets there, yeah. the rescuer gets yes. there. Yes. So once you contact Liberty Wildlife, do wait patiently for the volunteer to come to your home and rescue the raptor. If you can't wait until the volunteer gets there, then uh, leave a note or something or leave them a message saying, I'm leaving, but this is where it is. If it's in your backyard and they can safely get into your backyard, leave that gate unlocked so that they can get in there and they will take care of things Because they do you. come out for raptors. Yes, they will come out for raptors. But keep in mind, these are volunteers. These are not paid employees and they will certainly get there as fast as they possibly can. But sometimes it does take a little bit. So that is hawk migration. And I wanted to do a little closing note. Uh, we will actually be taking a break in October of 2021. But, we'll, uh, but when we come back, in addition to our normal podcast that we will have, we're going to start a new series called Who's That Bird? And it's going to be a five-minute podcast dealing different birds. Uh, I'm sorry, detailing different birds from Arizona. And I think it's going to be very fun. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about who you're seeing at your feeders. And then sometimes even if you're just out and about, we're going to talk about birds that aren't seen here at feeders either, but that you see out in your backyard in Arizona or when you're hiking or all of that stuff. So that's it for our hawk migration. We do certainly hope that you guys see these guys in your backyard and that you think about our podcast. And even if they're eating a few of your birds at your feeders that you remember what we've said and hopefully you will um, be excited to see yes. them just and enjoy them for the magnificent bird that they are yes 